Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. everyone and welcome to another special edition of the Four Seasons Fire American Soccer Show. It is the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal first leg review show, reviewing all those games involving MLS teams, excuse me, and also including those teams from Liga MX as we get ready to uh, talk about these games. Now, this week was very hard. This week was difficult. Um, thankfully, though, we do have the technology to record one moment and watch something else. And as all of you know, during this week, for myself, because I am a one-man band, I wish I was NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, ESPN, you know, however you want to call it, I wish that I had a team of people uh, in the production department here uh, for myself to have multiple people on multiple tasks. But as all, all of you know, it is just me, myself, and I. And how disappointed I've been with the combination of worrying about the second round of the U.S. Open Cup at the same time watching the Philadelphia Union, Vancouver Whitecaps hosting LAFC, and keeping tabs of those clubs of Liga MX in the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals in this first leg. It has been very sad and very disappointing that U.S. soccer, while they really don't deserve all the blame of this, just a little, just a little bit of the blame, because you do not want to see two different events, one for the country as a whole and the other one for the country to root for on the international level, because you want to see these MLS teams once again reach that plateau, the final, whether it be for the United States or Canada, to get to the finals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Because normally I would have a show today that would be for either this tournament or the Open Cup. That show for the Open Cup Round 2 review will be this upcoming Monday, April the 10th. And it's very disheartening and it's very sad that I have to separate on basically two shows on two separate dates. I don't want to, but I have to. Because the situation is this, folks. The situation is really simple. All of this lays solely on the blame of Major League Soccer. No, this is not about promotion and relegation. 
No, this is not about stadium situations or whatever, the solidarity payments of uh, certain players being transferred, not going to a club before the MLS club got a hold of that player. No, it's nothing about that at all. No, this is about forcing CONCACAF to normalize the League's Cup. A plastic tournament that has become official and a regular tournament. This is where I get angry and I get upset because when you are forced to decide which which show gets the better priority during this week or during this coming this this Friday it has to be the CONCACAF Champions League because that is on the international level now i'm not saying the open cup is not as important as the Champions League uh, look i am not going to reverse how I feel every competition involving American soccer is important to me, period, no matter what. No matter what. But this is where it hurts that I have to choose sides here. Because next week will be the second leg of the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. And then the following Friday will be the review show for the second leg. Now, obviously, next Friday, which will be the 14th, CONCACAF at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, will be holding their 2023 Gold Cup draw for both the preliminary rounds and for the tournament proper live at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. I will be doing a Spaces on Twitter to review the draw. So everyone be prepared for that. As soon as that draw is over, come on over to uh, Twitter Spaces and we'll go ahead and divulge and take a look what's going to happen there. But once again, Major League Soccer is at fault for making League's Cup a proper tournament when it's been plastic all along. I'm sorry. This is how I feel about it. Look, do I think MLS teams should be dominating Liga MX teams? Uh, Yes. I know that Liga MX teams are better. They have more finances. There's not of uh, financial interference. And what I mean by that, all these different rules of player uh, acquirements and GAM and TAM and all that DP and, you know, all that loving jargon that MLS loves to give us. But the truth is, Liga MX has deeper rosters. I am not going to sit here and blow smoke up your rear ends to prove a point. But we do know that the talent is growing in our country, and I've always stated that I believe that the talent is getting better each and every single year, each and every single second, minute, hour, day, week, month, and year. Mexico is in a tailspin. 
That's the truth. Whether they want to hear it or not. But once again, we have we have a problem when it comes to how certain competitions fall in line and how they should be treated. And once again, it bothers me. Without a doubt, it bothers me that Major League Soccer had to force CONCACAF to accept League's Cup. Because the truth is, Superliga, League's Cup, I'm sorry, it should not be on the docket on any calendar in MLS, in Liga MX, or in CONCACAF. But unfortunately, it is going on. Now, this is how I feel. You will get those opinions of people saying, you know what, this is a great thing. No. But you'll get those of opinions like me saying, no. The true test, battle and defeat, Liga MX teams is in the CONCACAF Champions League. That is the true ultimate test. And until then, I will continue. I mean, look, I'll still consider League's Cup as a exhibition, as a friendly. I look, if I'm insulting somebody, look, I'm sorry, I have a show. This is my opinion. This is how I feel. Because if we're going to have a secondary tournament involving CONCACAF leagues, and I understand that the CONCACAF league is now defunct once UNCAF, which is the Central American Confederation, or the Central American Zone, and the Caribbean Football Union, Caribbean Zone, will now have their own little tournaments to qualify for their respective CONCACAF Champions League spots. That made CONCACAF League disposable. Do I think we should have a CONCACAF League anyway? Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, CONMEBOL, South American Confederation, has the Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana. UEFA has the Champions League and the Europa League, and now the Conference League. Is there not enough competition in CONCACAF right now? I mean, right now, for national teams, we have the Nations League, which serves as qualification for the Gold Cup. The next tournament, which will be coming this fall for the six teams to qualify for the Copa America that's coming here to the U.S. And then back to another round of Gold Cup qualification the following fall in 2024 for the 2025 CONCACAF Gold Cup. There is plenty of time. But the question is, is there plenty of room on the calendar for CONCACAF to involve another club competition for the entire region? That is the number one question. Because we're not going to see a CONCACAF league running at the same time as our CONCACAF Champions League will be. That's why UEFA does this. 
They have Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Champions League matches, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Europa League matches. When these conference, these uh, UEFA conference games happen, I don't know. I haven't really seen any of it. I, I can't tell you when they're being played. And I'm not going to speculate unless I go on the Paramount Plus app to see if they do show it on there or not. Probably do. But I haven't seen any. And I don't know what days that they get played on. So that's just me. But, you know, it's tricky here in our confederation, in our region, because at the moment we have leagues from Mexico all the way down to Central America that plays two separate seasons. We have, I don't know what, how many leagues are in the Caribbean depending on how big the islands are and how big the towns are, I really don't know if, if, if half of them are semi-professional and uh, doesn't count as a real league. Here, we have a full season for MLS because it involves the three Canadian teams. Calendars are tricky these times. Calendars are difficult to have competitions being played. But once again, when you're adding more games to these calendars and where the leagues are more of a higher priority than some of the confederational tournaments and you're forcing the confederation to fall in line with what MLS is trying to do with the League's Cup, I think we have a a lack of respect coming from the league office in MLS. See, it's different when it comes to Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA because they run what they want to do and no one can question them. USA Basketball, USA Hockey, USA Baseball, even if there is an international body, governing body for American football, you know, they got to do what they got to do but they're usually in the back end of things. Yes, they can be a part of it, but the truth is here in the U.S., it's the leagues that whatever they say goes, and that's it. They decide what to do either league-wide and international-wide. Well, until then, this is what we got to do, and this is what we have to take care of. Please record. So, as we get ready to move forward here in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, quarterfinal first leg review show, let's go ahead and get this underway. Uh, Waiting for Matt Ralph to join me from Philadelphia Soccer now, as we get ready to talk about that matchup between the Philadelphia Union hosting Atlas over at Subaru Park. You know, I thought that was an evenly contested match up until the end of the first half where uh, Atlas player, as I can get my notes here, uh, being sent down to 10 men, 
if I can uh, get that to work here with my notes. Um, and that was Mr. Anderson Santa Maria, uh, who basically was called for uh, fouling uh, as the last man, fouling uh, his man uh, to force the union to get that free kick. Joining me right now uh, from Philadelphia Soccer Now is my good friend, Matt Ralph. Matt, welcome back, and how are you? Good, how are you? Doing great, excellent. Um, you know, solid victory, solid performance by the union. Um, I mean, I thought it was an even match. I thought the referee actually did very well in that match. I, you know, look, I mean, I know some calls here and there may be a little bit questionable, but uh, truth is I, I thought it was a well-officiated a well match, and I thought it was an even, uh, even Steven type of game. Yeah, I mean, the, there were a couple of, uh, you know, close ones maybe that could have gone another way. But, um, you know, I think the ref was really sort of watching out for, you know, people <laughs> going down easy and that kind of thing and trying to draw fouls. And I think, um, you know, certainly the foul that, the penalty that was called was was pretty clear. Um, but the other ones were, were were borderline and you know the players for the union definitely were trying to sell that so yeah i thought i thought on that side it was it was fine um you know i think the the union going up a man for 45 minutes you you, you probably want to see a little more uh you, you want to see them get more than one goal um score one from open play there but you know it's still still a decent result and uh you know it's all it's all going to come down to you know what happens in in mexico no, absolutely. Um, I got to say, uh, it's very rare to see an, uh, an opposition actually stopping the Norwegian hammer when he takes one deep uh, from, <laughs> from the opposition's area or their side of the field. Glesnes, uh I thought he was going to smash one into the back of the net from distance again. Unfortunately, the wall redirected that ball right at the keeper who made that great save. Yeah, and then he had another one that just sort of went went over the it was rising right went over the bar. Um, yeah, I mean the guy can the guy can hit a ball, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely when you're when you're when you're playing against him, you got to be aware of that and and know that he can anything from a certain distance. He's he's probably gonna step up and take it, and the fans are gonna yell shoot every time he gets the ball. For I mean, and there's a reason for that, obviously. Um, you know, his first goal for the Union way back in 2020 was from way out, and then, you know, he scored that big goal against Atlanta um, as well. So, yeah, he's he's definitely got a history, and everyone knows that now, playing against the Union. Mm-hmm. No, very true. Um, obviously, it was great to see Andre Blake back in goal for the Union. I know he had a uh, a bit of a leg injury, uh, was out for a game or two, but great to see him back out there. I mean, I thought... He had a hell of a match. Um, I really thought he played strong in goal, especially around the 24th minute where he made a couple of damn good saves. I I thought Atlas was really trying to find a way to get him off his game, but he was really calm and composed in net for that one. Yeah, you know, he, you know, fortunately um, after that didn't have a lot to do, but, um, you know, he's just the kind of guy that he's going to make those saves that, you know, certainly, um, 
you know, you don't necessarily expect the backup to make. So it's, it, it, you know, and very few keepers in the league. Um, you know, obviously Atlas has, has pretty good goalkeeper themselves, and I think he, he had a good night up until the penalty. But, um, you know, he's, um, you know, he definitely, I think, Blake shows, especially in those competitions, just how valuable he is as a player because he can, you know, he it, it very well could have been the difference between Atlas uh, picking up an away goal and them having to zero uh, going into the second leg. Yeah, very true. But I got to say, though, um, as we already talked about the goal being scored, uh, it was a penalty. Uh, their keeper just running right. Uh, I think it was yeah, Vargas uh, going straight into uh, Daniel. Uh, I think it was Gazdak who got fouled. You could you probably know who it was, but was um, I'm sorry. Cuban. Grounded, I, I wanted to make sure. Kronza did a great job with that, uh, you know, chesting the ball yeah. right before the contact came. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, that was a clear penalty. You know, certainly one that, you know, Vargas is going to want to get want back. Um, you know, he is such an aggressive player, like, because he is so, you know, he, he doesn't have the size, but he's just so quick and he's, he's able to come off his line. I mean, he's, you know, he's like, you know, he's very much like the MVP of that team in the way that Blake is the MVP of the Union. So, um, you know, but that was a great play by Carranza just to, to sort of have the, you know, to 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 get that touch in, knowing that the contact was coming. That was great. No, absolutely, and of course, as we already said, Daniel Gazdag converting that penalty in the 89th minute to make it one nil. And uh, after stoppage time, Union is now going to move on down to Mexico to be in that second late quarterfinal and hopefully put it away. Um, as you already said it, I just want to bring it back up, obviously. You know, look, this is a different animal, obviously. You've got to score more goals, uh, again, th- than your opposition. And even though, um, e- even though Atlas did not get an away goal in this one and they were down a man for the entire second half, how frustrating was that for you? And and could you you know take the temperature in the in, in Subaru Park because the fans were probably feeling frustrated that more goals were not going into the back of the net. Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely frustrating. Um, you know, there's sort of been a, a, a long and more recent history with them just not um, you know not looking their best when they go up a man. Um, you know, they're the Union are a team that's sort of built to could not um, have a lot of possession. You know, they're, they're, they're more into using their possession to create a transition uh, so that they can score off of when they force turnovers, where they either turn the ball over themselves or they force the other team to turn it over, uh, you know, a lot of back pressing and that kind of thing. So um, I think, you know, from that, from that perspective, you know, it, it, they, you know, they maybe don't, maybe they don't look their best when they're up a man, um, but also um, it, it changes the game, right? So, um, you know, it's it's not just a, a thing where the union are like one of the only, uh, the only team that struggles with this. I think a lot of teams do because once the especially on the road, once once that guy gets sent off, um, you know, basically Atlas essentially it has everybody but their Kinyone is basically behind the ball. So, and you saw, you know, they basically didn't have any, 
You know, their only chance was to try to find Quinones up top by himself on an island. And, and you know, and as good of a player as he is, like you know, that's that's a lot to ask, especially against a guy like Damian Lowe and uh, and Jacob Glasses back there, the center backs. And you know, Damian Lowe had an incredible night. You know, he's basically. You know, he was such a good pickup because of his experience in CONCACAF, but, you know, with, you know, with Jamaica and, and other competitions. So, um, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was a little frustrating, I think, but also it's, it's like recognizing that, you know, there's, uh, you know, you're going up against a team that, that is, is, is going, going to be even more compact playing on the road uh, down a man. And so, it just was a matter of trying to find a way through, and they 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 found the breakthrough. And the, I mean, honestly, the penalty was was not a great one, uh, but it snuck under <laughs> it snuck under into the goal, so they all count. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if that game ends zero zero, you know, it's definitely a different story in terms of what the frustration level is. I think everyone would mm-hmm. prefer you know, that they got that second goal, but you know, I think in the end, you know, so first meaningful win over a league on a Mackey team. And so I think a lot of fans are just kind of like, that's good. We'll take it. You know, it's, it's better than a zero zero. I mean, a zero zero would have felt like a loss for sure. So, um, so I think, you know, they're, they're in good shape. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be a tough uh, road fixture for them. Um, you know, they haven't, you know, they did play club America on the road. Um, you know, the, the, you know, I don't know in terms of I can't remember how how full the that stadium was, but it's such an enormous stadium. I don't know how full it would be for a game like that. But you know, going to Guadalajara would be a new experience, and um, it's going to be um, you know an interesting interesting um, battle for sure. No, it really would be, and I just think that for the Union, obviously, if you can if they can get at least an away goal, you know, then you're forcing Atlas to really you know dig their heels in and try and beat you and um, getting, I mean, obviously UEFA no longer has the away goals rule. Um, do you think they CONCACAF should keep it? Do you think they should get rid of it? Uh, you know, I don't know. I go back and forth on that. Like I, um, it, you know, I can see the frustration with the, with the, you know, with the away goal situation, but, but also, I mean, I think, it's meaningful. I mean, teams travel, you know, you know, I don't know offhand off the top of my head how far Guadalajara is, but it's not very close. It's a big, it's a, it's a long trip and, you know, you go there and if you, you can score in the other team's building that, that, that should have some, some, some significance. Right. And I think in this case, if the, if the union do score, um, it's, it's probably in the bag, you know, um, as long as it's not like they're down two nil when they score, um, you know. So I think for them to get an away goal would be huge, and I think it would it would be a big lift and a momentum, certainly a momentum shift even within within the game whenever that would come on Tuesday. So I mean, I don't know. I can kind of see both both arguments for it, uh, but you also, you know. If, if it comes down to what I rather an away goal decided or penalties, maybe an away goal is a better, uh, better way to decide it than penalty kicks. So I, I think mm-hmm. there's, there's an argument to be made on both sides for that. Absolutely. And, you know, look, I, I think to me, I think away goals, uh, 
I mean, why not? I mean, it's, it's really a chess match, and that's what you like sometimes. You like a little chess match out there. I mean, this is a higher level of club competition that you're trying to battle for and fight for. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, it, Jim didn't like the, the moment of, of it. Makes the math kind of fun to try to figure out. <laughs> like, wait, it so really does. Score, then... <laughs> it, then, then you get into the fuzzy math part. You know, a five times two equals thirteen. Wait, no, then it's a minus <laughs> two. And then you divide yeah. the five, and you add the three, and <laughs> multiply it by a hundred, and and you still get screwed. So whatever. But yeah, yeah it's the fun stuff. But uh, you know, final thoughts on this, Matt. You know, uh, I mean, obviously, we all know what the union need to do, but you know, do you think they find a way to uh, frustrate Atlas? Do you think they get a goal or two? Or I mean, what do you see for the second leg uh, next week? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can see them. I still think they're going to be hard to score on. Um, you know, you would expect low and either probably low. They probably stick with the low, you know, glasses combination. And um, I just, I think they're, they're still going to be really hard to score on. And, you know, I think the later it goes with the score zero, zero, the, like you said, the more Atlas is going to push to try to get that goal. And I think that's going to open up, open things up for the union to, to grab one. And then like once, you know, assuming that it is a tight sort of zero, zero fair, um, then I, I like the, I like the union's chances. If it does, if it turns into kind of a shootout, um, um, I would be very concerned because, you know, if the union have to go, you know, they get themselves, they get themselves in a situation where they're down, down uh, a goal or two, obviously the away goal is, you know, would be huge, but you don't want to get into one of those, you know, four or three situations uh, with a team like that in their building. So um, I think as long as the, the, the defense holds and there's no, you know, yeah. the, head, the cooler heads prevail and they don't lose a man and, and go down a man or something something crazy like that, then I think they'll be in good shape. And I could see I could see them grinding out another one-nil one result and, and moving on to the, to the next round. Absolutely. To, to and we'll all, see what happens. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that would be a huge one, right, LAFC in the, in the semis? <laughs> I know, right? It's going to be it, it's going to be interesting. Well, listen, Matt. Thank you very much. Uh, have a good night, and uh, I'll talk to you next Friday on the second leg review. Great, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. I appreciate it as well, Matt Ralph, uh, Philadelphia Soccer Now. dot com. As we uh, get ready to uh, keep going here on the Forty Six Fire American Soccer Show, join me right now. Uh, she's a happy keeper. I believe, and uh, I believe I have uh, the correct phone number. I believe we have Araceli Villanueva on. Do we have Araceli? Yes, I'm here. Hi. And that is a 3-0 victory for LAFC in the first leg against Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, Three goals in a Nine to ten minutes span. What the hell happened? I mean, I I wish I could even tell you because I'm still amazed about of what I just witnessed the other day. The LAFC's performance in these last couple of matches have just been 
undescribable, really. I mean, obviously, we can look at their run of play or the run of form, considering they've had such a, a very heavy schedule early on this year. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what is going on with Danny Bowanga? Five goals in four CONCACAF Champions League matches, and the first one out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere. What a strike that was by Bowanga to put LAFC on the board and the big first away goal of this match. Oh, my goodness. Denise Bowanga has been an incredible for LAFC thus far. He has definitely stepped up to the plate because going into the season, I know one of the questions surrounding the team was who would be that player to step up after uh, Chicho left for Mexico. And I think it's safe to say that Bowanga is filling in that role very well. He's definitely been putting his own out there, and it's just been a great watch so far. Oh, he really has been been uh, I mean you know I've been marveling him ever since uh the road match uh uh in the round of 16 at Alauenza in Costa Rica how he, he just puts himself into fabulous positions not just to accept the passes now we're seeing volleys that are just unbelievable from him to basically destroy the net whenever he gets that chance Oh absolutely and it just as you described it perfectly, whenever we see him go up there for that goal, it's always – I hate to sound like a broken record here, but it truly is a great um, play to watch. Mm, no, it really is. And second goal by Apoku Quadwo uh, about five minutes later, uh, how he was able to be in the right place at the right time, just put that ball in. I mean, I don't think – the Vancouver defense even saw him in that position and he was able to just tap it in with ease. And it's two nil right there and two away goals. Oh, absolutely. There it's Apoku definitely took Vancouver off of their defense and managed to squeeze that ball just right in there to sneak it in for that second goal. Just moments after Bowanga's of course. And, uh, it was definitely um, a sight to see, given, you know, even LEFC's history with Vancouver in the past. But, of course, as time would tell, we would see a third goal very soon from who who else? Bowanga. He gets the brace. And, oh, my. <laughs> Imagine this, folks. She's delirious right now. She couldn't believe what she just saw. It was unbelievable. I mean, I wouldn't blame any LAFC, LAFC fan for being delirious after that uh, type of performance. I, I mean, I got to say it again. Five goals in, in, you know, four matches and all five are on the road. I mean, he must be a good luck charm right now to score these amazing goals during Champions League play. I would definitely say in a sense that he is a good luck charm for the team. And it's not that, you know, I'm I'm delirious or anything. I understand what you're saying there, but it's like I said, you know, even in our past conversation, uh, as I just mentioned, you know, looking at the history that LEFC has had with Vancouver, not only with the Whitecaps, but 
their performance overall at BC Stadium trying to um, navigate the turf because there, there were moments where you could try to tell the type of plays that LEFC wanted to do, but when the ball isn't sliding just right, it it does create a bit of chaos, unfortunately. But, you know, as we mentioned here, getting the five-away goals uh, from Bowanga and just overall it, uh, the six-away goals, it's just been an incredible uh, feat for them. And I'm definitely looking forward to see what happens come next BMO. Now, I have to say the opening 45, I, I really thought it was an even game. Maybe a little bit edge to Vancouver because I thought maybe they attacked a little bit more than L.A. did. But I think once Bowanga destroyed the net on that first goal, I just think he let the all the air out of the entire building. Oh, yeah, definitely there. There just wasn't there, there wasn't a dry eye anywhere, especially you know in Los Angeles. So to to see those type of goals are just absolutely magnificent. And talk about John McCarthy now. Obviously, you look we we know he's a former Philadelphia Union keeper. He's been mostly used as a backup. You know, whenever you you got to be in the Open Cup, and he was in penalty kick shootouts. Obviously, he won the penalty kick shootout to give LAFC their first MLS Cup championship last year. But now that he's getting an opportunity, because Maxime Cripo is not back yet from rehab, from the broken leg he suffered in that final, have you analyzed McCarthy's game, and do you feel... Um, I'm not saying I think you should be worried, but do you feel more confidence in him being in goal as a starter until Crepo does come back? Absolutely. I do feel a, a sense of confidence from McCarthy being in goal for the last couple of matches. Of course, you know, he is in there because of Crepo um, still recovering from injury. And even after uh, Max makes a full recovery, I still predict to see McCarthy being in, in goal for as long as we can, at least. Um, but I think he's definitely come into his own. As you mentioned, he does have a, for lack of better terms, a reputation of being, you know, that, that sub goalkeeper. But now that he's having that moment to shine and show his talent and demonstrate what he can do, make big saves, get big, um, it, it's been great to watch him. And I, I definitely see him, you know, staying in goal even well after McCarthy recovers. Yeah, that's McCarthy, one thing uh, I think we're going to see. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. No, I agree with you. Uh, um, and we'll see what happens uh, down the road. But so far, so good. Um, obviously, second trip into the CONCACAF Champions League. I don't know. I mean, I know LAFC went into the final and lost to Tigris during – the time where the, the pandemic struck and it, it abrupt, obviously, and you were forced to fly to Orlando to wrap it all up. But do you see any differences with the, the LAFC, the LAFC team of this tournament to the previous one that was in the final a couple of years ago? That is an interesting uh, dynamic because th- this was something that even the guys and I have talked about on the heart of LAFC pod last night is kind of that, you know, comparison between, you know, how Bowong is performing compared to how Vela performed the last time 
LAFC was in CCO. So I think it is fair to say there is a very similar dynamic. Of course, we do have practically a new squad comparing to a few years ago, but I still do see the same determination in a sense. Mm, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, and uh, I definitely see that determination on the field. Uh, well, I mean, hopefully everyone else uh, gets uh, to do more things than just Bowanga. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to talk about Bowanga. I think he's doing a great job. Uh, maybe you like to see a little bit more from other parts of this starting 11, including whoever's coming in to substitute in the match. Aaron Long, of course, uh, you have uh, my former center back uh, who was with the New York Red Bulls, and that was probably the most strangest block Aaron Long has ever made in his career. I've never thought he can do a scorpion while face first on the field turf, and he kicked his leg up to stop that shot. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> there's no doubt that Long's thought Sterliness save, it is going to be talked about for the rest of the tournament because I know I've had my own criticisms of his performance in the last couple of matches. Granted, he hasn't seen a lot of playing time given, um, you know, a little bit of a rotation and with some new signings coming in, but that moment in the match where his leg just comes straight up and makes that save, I, I think it's fair to say that that is going to be possibly the save of the year. <laughs> well, one thing's for sure. If he didn't stop it, it's up his backside, and I don't think the kids want to see that. Oh, no. I don't think anyone would want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff here over with uh, this first leg in the quarterfinals. Um, well, I mean, it, it's really not surprising to say this. Uh, three goals to nil, all three away goals. Uh, are heading back next week to take on Vancouver once again at BMO Stadium. I mean, what do you think has to be the game plan? I don't think it's going to be, you know, blocking the entire 90 minutes. I mean, you would like to think there'll be some offense from LA. I think going into uh, the next round, it uh, it also depends on how the team performs um, tomorrow when they face Austin. Of course, you know, as I mentioned earlier, LESC is amidst a very heavy schedule right now with CCL and the MLS. So it's a very similar situation to when they were facing Alohenze, where it almost felt like there were six matches within two weeks. So in terms of um, what predictions that we could possibly see for Tuesday. I would like to see uh, Chiellini back in the <clears throat> excuse me, back in the back line. Uh, I do predict we would see Ilya again, uh, possibly more of the same uh, roster setup. Again, you know, it's always hard to predict these things, but play more of a, a defending position, in, in my opinion. Nope, that's fine, and we'll see what happens next week. But uh, I'll talk to you next week at the same time, Araceli. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining me, and I hope you have a good night and uh, enjoy the weekend league match. Thank you. I always appreciate coming on to speak with you. 
Same here. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Araceli Villanueva, the heart of LAFC, as she joins us to talk about the winning side. And listen, when it's two MLS teams facing each other, one side wins and the other side does not. And it's time to talk about that with Michael McCall from Away From The Numbers podcast talking about the Vancouver Whitecaps. Michael, um, I mean, Santini has to be, I mean, excuse me, Sartini has to be very disappointed in that second half because I thought they had a very solid opening half in this match, but that second half was really just unreal what went against them. Yeah, I mean, that that 10-minute spell from LAFC, it just shows the quality. It showed the gulf as well, I think, in quality between the two teams. You've got a team that can just go out there and be clinical and take their chances, score a, a couple of absolutely fantastic goals as well. But I think Vanni Sartini's game plan for this maybe was not the best game plan. I had tweeted out in the first half that it had been very clear that what he was wanting to do was to try and stifle LAFC and just make sure they didn't give up that away goal, try and get to 70, 75 minutes without any team getting a goal and then try and go for it in the closing minutes by bringing on the young guys and trying to get a goal or two lead to take to LA. He admitted himself post-game that that was the plan. But the danger with that then is when you get caught by that goal and that away goal, you're then forced to open up early. You don't have the personnel on the pitch to do that. And as they tried to do that, they just got absolutely punished by a, a rampant LAFC side. I mean, I mean, I think you would say it and I would say it. Bawanga's strike really just deflated BC place. I mean, I could not believe what I saw when Bawanga just tags it and he beats uh, Takaoka cleanly, top shelf. I was stunned. Yeah, I mean, that is going to be one of the best strikes of the season. I mean, in saying that, I even think his second goal, for me, is even better just because of the other aspects of it. But you're quite right. As soon as that goal went in, I mean, there, there wasn't much of an atmosphere at BC Place to begin with, but what atmosphere that it was was just absolutely sucked out of the stadium by that point. You felt it everywhere. You felt it up in the press box. You could see it from the players. The one thing that had been talked about by everyone in the build-up to this game that was connected with the club, from players, coaches, media, fans, was you cannot afford to give up the away goal. And then once that was in... I mean, right there and then, you felt, well, that that's going to be the tie over. No, very true. Very, very true. And uh, my goodness, I couldn't believe it, what we were watching. I will say this, though. I, I thought I thought it was an even first half, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe more advantage to Vancouver, because I thought they attacked a little bit more than LAFC did. Because I thought, you know, we're going to get ourselves a hell of a match here and maybe Vancouver will sneak one in, but unfortunately not. But like I said, I thought a little advantage to Vancouver on the attacks. Yeah, I think they probably shaded the, that first half. It's interesting hearing kind of a neutral's viewpoint on how that first half played out because everyone 
in the in the press box was feeling it was dreadful and it was just like a horrible game of football by that point because LAFC I think knew that they just had to kind of sit back a little bit and defend and with, with the team that Vancouver had out there it maybe wasn't their most potent attack so I think they were cautious as well and I mean you're maybe talking two three chances between the two teams in that first half I mean, Vancouver did edge it, but then it, to go on and, and really take the game to LFC for me right from the start of the second, but they just didn't have the players on the pitch to do that at that time. No, I agree with you there, but if I can ask you this, uh, what was the feeling or what what could you read in the press room at halftime from your colleagues that, like you just said, what happened in the second half was that, you know, I got a bad feeling about this coming over everyone over there? Pretty much. A couple of us had a discussion and we were all in agreement that it just felt that LAFC could just flick a switch at any point in time and just turn it on and take the game to Vancouver. And then, sadly, from our point of view, that was proved correct because they, they just did what they needed to do in a short period of time. And, I mean, it, it makes... I mean, Vancouver's not writing off the second leg, and obviously they're not going to come out and say that. But I think the general feeling from everyone is that, that, that this is a tie that is well and truly over now. Mm, that's unfortunate, because... I mean, I mean, look, I mean, we've seen games in this competition, whether it's this edition or in years past... I mean, we've seen some of these Liga MX clubs in Mexico. You think they're dead and buried, but they come out of nowhere and they find a way to will themselves to get those necessary goals to overtake the tie and win the aggregate. I mean, I guess Vancouver does not have that in them. I would like to think they might have a chance. It, it's going to depend on on what Sartini wants to do with the personnel. Now, I think they're going to go for it from the start, but playing down there has not been a happy hunting ground for the Whitecaps. They've only, I think they've only scored one goal down there in all the games, and they've taken a couple of points recently. But they've been on, they've given up six goals on two occasions down there. But I think if they go out with a young, attack-minded team. So you'll have Simon Betcher in there, you'll have Ali Ahmed in there that had done so well last weekend against Montreal. I think those are young guys that will feel, we can do this, we can just take the game to LA. Listening to your chatting before, it's like I think LA will be a bit defensive because they don't need to probably put too much exertions into it until maybe Vancouver get on the score sheet. I fancied Vancouver to score down there, if they had gone into the game with the lead, I think it would have been a, an interesting game. But if they can get an early goal, I mean, it does put the pressure a little bit more on LAFC. We saw it when Alouenzi came to, to town and, and got that two-goal lead. But I just think overall, LAFC's quality is so good that Vancouver just don't have that firepower to overturn a three-goal lead. What do you think would... You know, you've got Julian Gressel, obviously. I mean, I, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, formerly international, now he's an American citizen, so he is eligible for the U.S. men's national team. But 
Um, I mean, did his play suffer in this first leg because of the tactics? Or Possibly. I mean, that, that was his worst game of the season by a long way because he's had four assists over all competitions. He's got a goal as well. And he has been far and away the, the player of the season from a Whitecaps point of view. But for whatever reason on Wednesday night, he just did not seem on it. And I think it might have been the tactics. He was playing beside Russell Tybert that he hasn't played with really this year. And Tybert's not the most popular midfielder in Vancouver in recent seasons as well. So I think he benefits having a a young guy like Ali Ahmed, which against Montreal, the two of them linked up. He linked up so well with Alessandro Schopf this year, but Schopf's out with a a day-to-day injury at the moment. So I don't know if just with the personnel, it just didn't suit him, but it was definitely his worst game of the season. Yeah, that's a shame because, I mean, look, I mean, we all want to see competitive matches, and and then when, <laughs> I, I got to repeat it, unfortunately, once that first goal went in, there goes the competitiveness. So what were you going to expect here uh, for that, that second leg? I mean, are we going to see whoever was on the substitutes bench? you think there's going to be a quick turnaround and uh, they'll be used? As you said, do you want to see some of these younger players maybe get an opportunity to go out there and give it a go? Yeah, I think that's their best option. I wouldn't be surprised as well if you might even see a couple of call-ups from WFC2. Some of the young guys that they maybe want to have a look at and have them on the bench so that they can get blooded and and experience this. And when you've got young guys that are hungry, when you've got young guys that want to try and either earn a first-team contract or guys that's on the fringes that want to be regular starters, that's going to light a fire under those players. And those, the exuberance of youth, if you want, they're going to firmly believe oh, we can go out and do this. If we get this first goal, if we score early. So I think you'll see a more youthful lineup. And if LAFC do decide to kind of sit back a little bit and not attack and maybe rest some of the, their bigger guys like Buanga, maybe he'll drop to the bench for this one. I think that's the best hope that Vancouver's got. But I think you will see Vancouver really come out from the first whistle and just try and take the game to LAFC to get that early goal to get them back in the tie. Yeah, I think that's the best thing to do because I think we've seen in the round of 16 second leg when LAFC was hosting that match against Aluenza, I mean, they Mm. they nearly coughed everything up. So if you're going to catch LAFC by surprise, especially at their stadium, I mean, something's got to give in the opening 45. I mean, I'm not saying it's got to be the first five, ten minutes, but at least get a goal within that span before you can really, you know, threaten them with a second. Yeah, they, they have to, Vancouver have to at least have reduced the deficit by half time. So if it's still a three-goal lead at that point, then it, it doesn't really matter. I think I can't see them doing it in the second half. And as you say, they don't have to to score in the first five or ten minutes. In in some ways, that might be the worst thing they could do anyway, because then LAFC have longer to try and change their game plan and start playing a bit more. If they could at least go in with a a one-goal lead at half-time, it would make the second leg interest or the second half interesting. And I think that's what everyone's hoping for. 
Because, I mean, you, you saw the crowd at BC Place. It's a tough sell in some markets, this competition. I love the competition. It's one of my favourite competitions in North America. And I think you need the Whitecaps to go out and make a game of it and let people see that they are taking it seriously to kind of help grow it, especially in a place like Vancouver. Oh, absolutely. But I have to say, uh, and thankfully I was able to watch the match uh, here in the States on the Fox Soccer Plus where you had the Canadian Championship Final at BC Place between uh, Vancouver and Toronto. I mean, that was rocking. That was just unbelievable what support they get, especially when you got to take on anyone from Toronto to try and knock them out as much as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, there is an appetite for cup football if it's marketed well. The problem that we have in Vancouver and not just here, it's around the league is with MLS and Apple Plus, people have to pay to to see the team now. They've got a third of the games that will be shown on TSN here. This competition is on One Soccer, which is another pay subscription service. So, so many people aren't seeing these games and they didn't see the Canadian Championship. It's also on One Soccer. So it's one of these things, yeah, the league's got a good deal with Apple, but you're shutting out your casual fans, and that's the people you need to come in to create the atmosphere that you had against Toronto FC and to pack the stadium. And I don't know what the easy answer is to to try and solve this now. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the number one issue, and unfortunately, I mean, I don't know what the Rogers Sportsnet people and TSN are, you know, with their financial situations. But all I know is um, the Sinclair Broadcasting Company that was able to uh, purchase all the Fox Sports affiliations and the regional networks, which Mm. were, uh, you know, now that's going to have a bit bit of a problem as well. So, But that's another show for another time, but we'll see what happens. But hopefully for Rogers, everything will be fine, and so as well for TSN. But um, I guess finally for me is, what do you think? I like you. I know we've already said, look, they got to score goals no matter what. They got to find a way to go out there and get the necessary result to try and overtake LAFC and maybe force a penalty kick shootout. But what does Sartini really have to do to make sure that actually happens for the Whitecaps to advance or at least to uh, make LAFC have a bit of a fever, if you know what I mean? I mean, he's just got to spend a couple of days just instilling the belief in the team that it's not over yet. And he he said that post-game on Wednesday, that was the start of it. He doesn't feel that they're out of the tie yet. That's the message that they have to give. What would really help is a great performance against Portland on Saturday. And if they can say, look, we did it against Montreal. We've done this against Portland. That was an off day on Wednesday. This is the real team. Go out there and show what you are, show some pride, show people that you are not that team that got beat 3-0. And if he has them all pumped up, which he is one of those coaches that it's like he can get players to run through a wall for him. He's just that enthusiastic and he can get things going. That's what he needs to do. And then it's just how how the game plays out. LAFC won't take it lightly. I, I spoke to assistant coach Mark DeSantis after the game. And he said, oh, the message to the team is this tie is not won. We have still got a lot to play for. So let's hope it's right. Let's hope it is an entertaining game that I'm back in a week's time to talk to you about. 
Absolutely. I can't wait to talk to you about that. We'll see what happens if fortunes do change for Vancouver. Michael, thank you for your time once again. Hope to talk to you again next week, and uh, have a good night. Thank you so much. You too, Daniel. Have a good Easter. Thank you. You too. Uh, that's Michael McCall from Away From The Numbers uh, podcast and website on the Vancouver Whitecaps talking about their unfortunate one first leg loss in the quarterfinals as they uh, fall to LAFC by a final of three goals to nil. And just waiting on now for Eugene Rapinski uh, coming in to talk about those clubs in Liga MX as, uh, boy, oh boy, we got some interesting results uh, from the Liga MX sides and uh, it should be uh, interesting and a lot of fun to see what's going to happen there as we get ready to talk about those teams representing Mexico in this uh, quarterfinal round. So we'll see what happens moving forward as we get ready to talk about what is going to happen here uh, with Liga MX. Now, obviously, and once he, once he comes on, we'll talk more in depth about the match between uh, Philadelphia and Atlas on the Liga on the Liga MX side of things, but I want to start off with Club Leon as they hosted the Haitian representative in Violet AC, and all you can say is this: is that, and I'm not having a go against Austin FC, but if you're one of the top two sides, or at least one of the top two countries in the North Zone, and you need to take out a team like Violet, Club Leon is the one that had to do it, and they did so ridiculously 5-0, destroying Violet AC. They were home, and now they got to go to the Dominican Republic. Even though it's a Haitian team, they're having problems in Haiti, so they're playing their home games in the Dominican Republic. Haiti is going to have a very difficult time, and meaning Violet AC, the Haitian side, they are going to have a very difficult time crawling back, fighting back, and trying to stop Club Leon. Now, normally... Club Leon, you know, we wouldn't expect them to get this far in the competition. We wouldn't expect them be headed this deep into the CONCACAF Champions League because we're, we're used to them. You do well in the first leg uh, at home. You, you uh, basically crap it up in the second leg. And they always find a way, whenever they have an advantage, to lose that advantage, and they just don't advance into the next round. Well, this time, Sunshine has prevailed. And for Club Leon, they have done so. And joining me now from the uh, FMF State of Mind podcast of SB Nation, the website as well, Eugene Rapinski covering Liga MX teams. Eugene, welcome back, and how are you, my friend? 
Doing well. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And thanks. Always a pleasure to have you on as well. So um, I want to go back because I started talking about it, but I wanted your opinion about this as well. Um, as as uh, we all know, Leon has had problems discussing what's going on with uh, second legs or at least taking on opponents who are, uh, you know, less inferior than they are. But finally, finally, they got the message and they just take out Violet from Haiti 5-0. <laughs> Well, uh, there's still a uh, there's still a second leg to go, and uh, we we know how Leon has has done historically, but you know they've they've definitely put themselves in a good position. No, they really have, and I understand what you're saying, and uh, I I don't blame you at all for how you feel about that because I think I've shared <laughs> my concerns with you as well. We all know the duds that Club Leon has done in the past, but. I mean, can we safely say 5-0 is just enough? And if they just score one, I mean, Violet's going to need seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, this is this is realistically over. Um, you know, I... I I don't see I don't see Violet coming back and, and scoring four or five or you know I don't see them scoring two really to be perfectly honest with you but stranger things have happened you know um, you know a pretty decent Austin team went down there and kind of kind of got their their lunch eaten for them and uh, you know uh, you know Leon cannot afford to take this lightly you know they have to go down there and and treat it as business they have to go down there and uh, do what I think everybody knows they are capable of doing and uh, closing this out. I think that was breakfast, lunch, dinner, and two snacks. That's how I see it. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so Leon advanced. Uh, well, I shouldn't say they've advanced yet, but it feels like they will. So uh, we'll see what happens in that second leg. Um Tigris on the road against Motagua in Honduras. Luis Quiones in the 44th minute. Uh, the only away goal in that match for them. And now they're going to come back to the Universitario Stadium. Um, Motagua is still not a slouch, but still, though, I think Tigris is going to advance. Yeah, I mean, I think Motagua is in, in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I think that they, they did uh, about as well as they could have against uh, Tigres, but um, you know Tigres is just a, a much a much stronger side. And yeah, I mean going going back to the Universitario, um, you know, just like the last match, it's not over until it's over. But you know, we're we're pretty close to it being uh, being over. So you know, we'll see. Tigres also mm-hmm. have to, you know, they can't they can't. Uh, too far ahead of themselves. They they definitely got the talent and they, they just need to make sure that they uh they they close it out. You know, they, they go in there, they treat it uh, you know, like business and, and they take care of their business. So basically in all accounts that one semifinal is definitely gonna be uh Club Leon against Tigris and I think I think we can definitely say Tigris is probably stronger than Club Leon, but what have you seen from Leon so far in Liga MX where maybe they might sneak the result in the semifinals if it is going to be both those two sides? 
Uh, you know, I think Tigres, uh, I think it's more on Tigres. I think Tigres has been a little inconsistent uh, during during the league play. Um, you know, I, I think they they've got they've got the they've got a squad right. Like they've 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 got a phenomenally well put together team, and you know they're just not they're not doing that well. I mean, they're in seventh place, which is is okay, but. Leon just looks like they're firing on all cylinders. You know, it, if Tigres can pull everything together, then yeah, okay. Like, you know, um, they could, they obviously, you know, could, could advance. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, that there's no shot for them to, to do so, but I think um, unless they can get some consistency, unless they can get some sort of, um, some sort of plan that looks like it's actually working, uh, working as intended instead of just kind of happening, then I think they're going to be in trouble. I think Leon's going to be uh, the one to, to kind of advance from that. But I mean, they they both of them have have business to attend to first, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's the business that they got to attend to first, and then we'll see what happens when we get to the semifinals. Now, Atlas at Philadelphia Union. Of course, you were probably at that match. I would assume. Uh, I not was far not. Away. I was. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I wanted, I really wanted to go, but just, uh, just didn't make it. So that's okay. Uh, but anyway, from what you were able to watch, um, did you think that was an even match before the red card came? And did you think that was a red card? Yeah, yes, on both accounts, I thought, um, you know, the union played very well um, before the red card, um, and I think that, um, you know. It, the red card was, was deserved. You know, I think, um, that was, that was, I don't know for me, for me. And, and, you know, I, I say this, uh, knowing that I'm a, I'm a union fan. Um, but you know, even trying to think objectively and non in like kind of a nonpartisan way, like, I don't know that, that to me is always, a, always a red, uh, Santa Maria knows better. And yeah, like they're going to be without him, uh, in the next game. Uh, I, I think the only, the, the real talking point was that the union couldn't do more. I mean, they had their home field advantage. They were able to get a, a late goal on, on a penalty, but you know, like they, they, they really should have done better up a player for what, 45 minutes or, or better, you know? So uh, we'll see no, if that very, one very goal true. lead is enough. Yeah. We'll, we'll no, see if that we'll one goal happens. lead is enough. Mm-hmm. No, I heard you. Uh, um, no, that's the thing. Uh, you know, this is the thing with MLS teams, whenever they host the first leg and they do get a victory or they get a positive result, it's always going down to Mexico for that second leg. That's always the problem because I think we all know that the Mexican teams, the club teams in Mexico, you know, they're going to fight harder in front of their fans and get the necessary results. So, I mean, I know you're going to be between a rock and a hard place, as you've already said, uh, with the Union and Atlas. Oh, look, I want to be fair to you. Not really, but hey, I got to throw it out there. <laughs> but any, <laughs> No, no, I'm kidding. You, you know I'm kidding around. I'm just kidding. But reality-wise, I, I mean, the Union is going to really have to really be on their guard and on their game really badly for this one. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, a, a one goal lead going down to to Guadalajara is um it, it's anything but a a surefire thing, right? Um to be mm-hmm. fair, uh, they they did go uh to to Mexico, what was it, last year, the year before, um and when they played Club America, they they 
you know, they lost, but um, you know, they, there is some uh, 2021 is when it, when they did. So, you know, they, they lost two to nothing. Um, you know, so that there is a, there is a history that, you know, most of the guys uh, that were there then are still there. They're they're You know, they, they have that kind of, uh, I guess, you know, they, they know what to expect, right? Like they, they've, they've done a trip to Mexico before um, for this. So, uh, you know, I think that this, uh, you know, they, they have a chance. They have a, a better chance than, than some might think. Um, you know, Atlas is going to be missing Santa Maria. Like that's huge. They're also going to be missing Brian Ojevo Lozano because he picked up a second red card or a second yellow card, excuse me. Uh, and, and losing Lozano is huge. You know, Lozano is such a key uh, point of, of of their attack. You know, being out on on the wing, he can he can cross it in, he can dribble in and shoot. He's a you know one of the best free kick takers in the league, if you ask me. Um, so so not having him available, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt them a lot. And you know, I, I'm not saying the Union are going to win, but I think their chances are much better uh, than they were uh, when they when they started this series. Yep, very true, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But other than that, if I can ask you this, um, are we going to see Mexico on the national team level improving? Because, I mean, I'm not trying to say I think you should be scared or everyone in Mexico should be scared, but, you know, those two Nations League matches that they played in in their group stage – um, that that's not the Mexico I know. Forget the result. I, I just I, I I don't. I mean I know it's a brand new manager for uh, running the national team, but still though, I I think they're I think they're they're playing scared or nervous. I think I, for for me I think it's more along the lines of it's the new manager. They're trying to figure things out. Um, you know when you when you get a new manager in there's always uncertainty, right? You know, it's, it's a whole lot of, do I still have a job? They're, they brought in some new players, uh, you know, quite frankly, some players who, who should have been uh, given a look much earlier. Uh, they're finally getting the look. So I think it's, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff that's kind of up in the air. Um, you know, the older players are trying to learn the new coach's system. The new players are, are going in there and trying to impress and it's not really set yet. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of like a, like a cake that's it's, all the ingredients were thrown into a bowl, but it hasn't actually come together into anything yet. It's just kind of a mess. Um, you know, and that, that's going to take some time. Uh, you know, I, I, I think um, there, there's certainly, uh, you know, reason to be concerned. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at, if you just look at the results, yeah, you know, they, they definitely should have done better against uh, these two teams. That being said, you know, if you look at it for me in the broader context of where the program is, you know, they had a very disappointing uh, stint in Qatar, um, you know, and, and kind of coming coming off of that with, with the new, I mean, pretty much a new setup from, from top to bottom, um, you know, at least as far as the leadership goes, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of expected them to, to not do as well, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think they were going to come out and just destroy uh, Guyana and uh, uh, Jamaica, right? Um, so, you know, I, 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 for me, I thought there was going to be some, uh, some kind of turbulence, if you will, uh, heading into the game. 
and um, or heading into this uh, into the window. Uh, and yeah, you know, there there was I think um, you know sorry Suriname, uh, you know. So I I think that this was kind of to be expected. You know, I think uh, Coxa Diego Coxa, their manager, has uh, is doing kind of the right things. He's giving players a look. He's uh, you know bringing in new faces, getting in some new ideas, trying to get the, the older players, uh, players who've been there for a while to speed. And, and it's going to, it's going to be a process, um, you know, I, and, and at the end of the day, like it's, it's nation's league, right? Like it's, you know, it's, it's not like it's uh world cup qualifying or anything like that. It's, it's, it's the nation's league the year after, uh, after the, the world cup. So it's, you know, even if even if they don't do too well, I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's not gonna make fans very happy, and you know, of course, the press will will eat that up. But uh, you know, for for me, I, I try and take a little bit longer term uh, view uh, of everything, and it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, they'll know what didn't work and can can kind of uh, adjust accordingly. No, absolutely. And I mean, I agree with you. They'll get better. We'll see what happens. But I do agree with you. I think it's just a blip on the radar and they'll, they'll be better uh, somewhere down the road. So, but we'll see what happens moving forward. But listen, Eugene, thank you so much for your time as always. My pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. Talk to you next Friday uh, to talk about all these teams from League MX and uh, we'll see what the semis will bring. So thanks again for joining me tonight. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right, and that's Eugene Rapinski from FMF State of Mind as we talked about the Liga MX teams in the CONCACAF Champions League. I want to thank my guests for tonight once again, Matt Ralph of Philadelphia Soccer Now, Araceli Villanueva from the heart of LAFC, um, <clears throat> Michael McCall from Away From the Numbers up in Vancouver and Canada, and just for now, uh, Eugene Rapinski for FMF State of Mind. Uh, Join me this coming Monday for the Open Cup Round 2 Review Show, and get ready, and uh, get ready for some more action, of course, next Friday, CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals, second leg review, and before that, don't forget to join me, Uh, I'll be joined with Carter Krishnar, try to get one more person to talk about uh, that report on the aftermath of the Reinas versus the Burhalters. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. Take care, everybody.